Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pants on Fire, Exposing Ruling Class Lies. In today's episode, we talk to Amiyad from Vietnam about the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, or USERF. USERF is a federal government commission that was created in 1998 with commissioners appointed by the president and leadership from both political parties in the House and the Senate. USERF's primary responsibility is to monitor countries around the world for potential violations of religious freedom and make policy recommendations to the president, the secretary of state, and Congress. You'll notice a theme with the countries that it deems to be countries of particular concern, and we think this is an interesting conversation and an important conversation, and we hope you enjoy. I was, I've been doing some research because I had never heard of USERF until you mentioned it. And uh, yeah, it's weird because like on the, on the surface, the way that they describe themselves, like I'm looking at their website and it's like, on the surface, it sounds like a potentially good thing, right? Like it's protecting the, it's protecting like religious minorities from persecution but then I was reading about like the the people who are on this committee, <laughs> and uh, it sounds like it's very Christian in nature. It has an extreme Christian bias. It's very clearly, you know, a tool of Western chauvinistic, uh, someone called it cultural imperialism, you know? Um, it's also classic example of the United States claiming to have jurisdiction over every other country in the world. And that's the part, I think that's the part that, uh, that people forget. Cause like, it's hard to think outside, at least like for someone who is in the U S it's hard to like think from other people's perspectives and like have empathy and, and, and think about like, well, what if it was reversed and there was like a group coming from Iraq or, or Iran, and they're dictating to us <laughs> what what is okay and what's not okay. Like that, we wouldn't like that. It'd be like, it'd be as if, you know, uh, you could pick a country that the U.S. is unfriendly with or friendly with, it doesn't matter, but, you know, claiming that the U.S. Uh, infringed on the freedom of religion of, uh, you know, that, what was that cult in Waco, and, um, you know, killed all those people because of religious freedom and whatnot, and, you know, it's, it's, no one in the U.S. would take something like that seriously, but, you know, the, the USCIRF, was USCIR uh, was founded in 1998, right? It was the height of this uh, post-Cold War idea of um, the end of history, U.S. global hegemony. Um, you know, so it was founded with that sort of ego and gall behind it. Uh, where you know people weren't questioning it. There was, in fact, there was a it was considered a legitimate campaign question. I remember when uh, Clinton was running for office, should the U.S. be the police of the world? And like everyone just accepted that as a legitimate question and not a question baked into chauvinism and imperialism. Yeah, I mean, they've got a list <clears throat> on their website. It, it's just, it's amazing that like I have gone my whole life up until a couple of weeks ago, like never even knowing about it. I do remember something with when Obama was president like yeah so he did right there was but it was specifically I'm trying to remember it was specifically aimed at a specific at a, a specific country I forgot what it was it's aimed at Libya I think it was you know set up as a, a, an excuse to criticize another country that the U.S. wanted to target Oh, and this is said. This says that they they revised the language of it so that it was not just applying to countries, but also to 
people, like just uh, in, in individuals or groups of people, because they wanted to add, they wanted to be able to add ISIS and uh, Boko Haram right. to it. Right. Right. So they made it like actually more broad in scope. Right. And, you know, it's interesting also in that criticizing ISIS or Boko Haram, I think we could all agree is the right, you know, is the correct criticism. At the same time, to what end, right? The the end game of the the commission is to recommend to the State Department to list countries or organizations as you know states of particular concern, which can then come with sanctions. ISIS doesn't get sanctioned. It's not a country, right? It's not the whole point was policing other countries, and now they're trying to police organizations. It, it's kind of uh, expanded into this place of ridiculousness where it's apparent that all it is is a, a tool to create propaganda against U.S. targets, right? It doesn't actually function to protect freedom or uh, of religion or anyone in particular. It just creates propaganda that the U.S. can use to push its agenda. Yeah, and so it's a it's set up <clears throat> it's set up by are the the people who are on the on this. Uh commission are appointed by the president and then leadership from both political parties from the house and the senate and they have two-year terms and i think that was new they didn't there weren't there weren't clearly defined term limits for these appointees before and that was right. something maybe from 2011 when when obama resigned it but this is interesting it says that it was it was supposed to terminate on September 30th, 2011, unless reauthorized or given a temporary extension. In which case it was reauthorized. Yeah. So it, I guess they, uh, they reauthorized it. Dick Durbin had some amendments to it and they reauthorized it for a seven year term, which would have expired in 2018, but it doesn't say what happened after that. Like, why is it, why does it even still exist if it was supposed to expire in in 2018 i guess it got reauthorized it gets reauthorized right it's, it's like one of those um uh what, what do they have the uh the debt ceiling or whatever you know there's just something they set up that they're just going to keep reauthorizing they have these arbitrary dates where they're like oh we have to uh um you know uh reconsider things at this point but it's just an automatic reauthorization but to go back to what you were talking about how um you know the different uh the president the uh, senate pro temp the speaker, um, they all get to nominate uh, three members of the commission. There's no review, right? There's no Senate uh, approval. There's no background check per se. Like it's just these people get nominated and you end up with people like Tony Perkins, who is <laughs> the leader of an actual hate group. Oh, <laughs> you know, a, a militant Christian hate group ends up on uh, this commission and you know then they want this commission to be taken seriously when you know he's the head of the uh, family research center what do they call themselves a family research council something like that um which yeah is listed by the southern poverty law center as a, a anti-lgbt anti-non-christian hate group so you know he was nominated by mitch mcconnell Oh, and Tony Perkins, just to, for the icing on the cake, uh, has connections in his past to the KKK. Um, so it, it, it's uh, it's hard to take seriously, <laughs> you know, when you look at how it's set up and how it's managed. Um, but again, as you said, what most Americans don't even know about it, right? They just see the end product of propaganda coming out saying, oh, this country or this uh, organization or whatever doesn't protect religious freedom and therefore it's our responsibility as Americans to step in and blah 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 and no one knows how that decision is made and they just accept it at face value I think if more people knew that people like Tony Perkins was in on this decision making process they would have some more questions <laughs> yeah I mean it's incredible really I mean and the the countries that they have placed on so what they call um when they designate a country as a country to Basically, the when they put a country on their watch list, it's called a CPC, a country of particular concern. And it's like India 
Eritrea, Myanmar, Iran, Pakistan, North Korea, Saudi Arabia. You know, it, it's it seems really focused. I'm just looking at like their press releases now. It's it's uh, it's amazing. But yeah, they're they're talking about Muslim countries, and then they have a podcast too. The yeah, Usurf has a podcast. I was listening to some episodes earlier today. They're talking about China and the um, you know the authoritarian dictatorship of uh, President Xi and like the persecution of Christians in China. And um, I think that that seems like um, maybe a conversation for a, a later episode, but uh, we can we can talk about it now too, if you want. Yeah, no, and it's well, uh, if you can, if you look up the makeup of who the commissions are, the current, if I'm not mistaken, the chair, right? Yeah, the chair, is, Nuri Turkel, if I'm pronouncing their name correctly, is a lifelong campaigner of, you know, anti-China propaganda. They're the head of the Uyghur American Association, um, or former head, sorry, of the Uyghur um, American Association, right? Someone who hasn't lived in, uh, in China uh, for decades and has, you know, lived in the U.S. and made a career out of telling the world about how China persecutes religious minorities. Um, and this is the person who chairs this commission. And so they're taking someone with a very specific agenda and giving them the platform to pursue this agenda. Yeah, that seems to be the theme with that. Uh, and what I, one thing I noticed with their surveys that they, that they conduct and how they actually gather the data that they're using to, to make these decisions, they survey, uh, quote unquote, religious leaders and so you're you're getting you're not getting the full picture. You're getting um, you know you're getting a very specific belief and interpretation of it. Like obviously, if you talk to only Catholic priests, they're going to say, "Yeah, we're being persecuted." I think even more so if you only speak to specific Catholic priests, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, if you uh, went to uh, Xinjiang if, again. If, I apologize to anyone that knows how to pronounce that more correctly than I do. Um, but and you interviewed the majority of the population and the majority of uh, the clerics. You know, uh, like we see when um, delegation uh, delegates uh, or uh, groups of investigators from Muslim countries have done, and they go around and they talk to people. They come back with a report saying. Okay, uh, no, there's no religious persecution here, but excuse me. But when you uh, pick a few select clerics that happen to, for whatever reason, align with your um, pre-chosen end, uh, um, you'll get the information you want. And again, this is once again not presented in the final report to the American people. Oh, this is how we came to this conclusion. They're just saying, okay. We did our research, um, and you know China is uh, persecuting people based on religion. Uh, and again, the, the most people would infer, oh, they probably sent investigators, and there's years of research that go into this, and there's probably teams and people on the ground, and there just isn't. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at the uh, one of their more recent posts about about Cuba. And uh, I know I'm going all over the place and we'll get to the yeah. here in a second, but it's just, it's fascinating that their report on Cuba says that, you know, constitutional protections are, are there, that the constitutional protections exist for religion and, and freedom of religion and all that. But then like people that they talk to are saying, yeah, it says that on paper, but it's not enforced. Like it, it, yeah, it's written down in our constitution, but it's not enforced. So it's just like, well, if you ask like a evangelical Christian, you know, in, in the South in the U.S., they're gonna tell you that they are being persecuted. They have this kind of like victim mentality. Yeah, the war on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, like the non-existent war on Christmas. That I don't know. Every every year when I go to uh to CVS, it seems like the Christmas tree is there sooner and sooner. Like it's there like in mid-October now. 
but right. them they're being persecuted. So if you're only interviewing and surveying religious leaders, and not and like you said, not even just religious leaders, but like really specific religious leaders, then it's like they're getting the information that they want and they're ignoring exactly. any other information. Right. So it's not a coincidence that, you know, so they have two lists, right? They have the uh, full on um, countries of particular concern list. And then they have the list of uh, wanted. Oh, sorry. Hold on. My dog is making noises in the background. No worries. Um, and then they have the secondary list, right? So um, it's no wonder that uh, the socialist countries make both lists, right? You have Vietnam, you have China, you have Laos, you have the DPRK, um, you have Cuba. So there, again, there's an agenda being pushed. And if you had gone, if you, in all these countries, China, Cuba, Vietnam, uh, freedom of religion is enshrined in their constitutions. But yeah, they'll tell people, oh no, it just says that on paper. And again, I think that attitude is based in chauvinism, anti-communism and imperialistic attitudes because you would never question the freedom of religion that's enshrined in a con the US constitution or even uh, the various uh, European Union countries who some of them have state religions, right? You have uh, the UK, the head of state is also the head of the church. But no one would question the UK's claim of freedom of religion. But when it's a, a socialist country or uh, you know an Asian country, oh, that's just on paper, and we could dismiss that and ignore that. So uh, again, it's feeding a, a preconceived notion. That's a really good point because yeah, like I don't see the UK on their list, <laughs> and exactly. it should be if they're going to be equal across the board and how they determine this. Then yeah. Yeah, so right. that yeah, that, there's no there's no uh, European countries that I see. I mean, they have let's see, like Russia. Uh, yeah, Eastern Europe. That's yeah. a country that it's very specifically fits U.S. Uh, agenda. Yeah. So the yeah the whole thing. Uh, whenever I first started researching it, like it sounds like something that came out of the Cold War, but. I was I was surprised that it didn't exist uh, before 1998. That 1998 is when it was founded, right? But I think you kind of you pointed out that that was like that was an interesting time when the Soviet Union had just collapsed a few years prior, and so I don't know. On the one hand, it seems like with that being gone, with the Soviet Union being dissolved, there wouldn't be as much of a need for for something like this as as there was and when I say need I mean like from from their perspective you know like that was like really? 1950s era like oh the Soviet Union is has is state atheism and we have to you know we added in God we trust to our money in like 1954 as a right. response to this state atheism claim but 1998 it, should, it seems like just an interesting time for them to decide that this is something that the U.S. needs to do. It, it, well, it aligns with also the time where the U.S. Um, started to get involved in the um, dissolution of or the destruction of Yugoslavia, right? It was this time where the U.S. really felt they were policing the world and the world was accepting it. There was no other strong country to, re to respond, right? The USSR was gone. There was no, I hate to use the phrase, but there was no balance of power, right? Um, you had a monopolar world for the first time ever, you know, in, mod in, the, in the modern era. So the U.S. was able to run amok. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, in that, I, I think that attitude, you know, it starts with the passing of laws like this, where the U.S. claims jurisdiction over all countries in the world. And then that leads to, you know, the U.S. basically bamboozling the world into uh, accepting their invasion of Iraq a few years later and, um, you know, declaring to the world, these three countries are the axis of evil and the whole world's either with us or against us and blah, 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 right? And it's this whole uh, monopolar attitude that 
now with the rise of China, we're starting to see some pushback from. And so I think we're going to see the USCIRF become even more aggressive because it's no longer just taken for granted by the imperialists that, oh, we have this power over the world, there's going to be some pushback. So this is a tool they're using to try and preserve their hegemony. Well, let's back up a little bit and uh, start with uh, introduction. If you could just uh, tell the listeners who you are and where you so, are yeah. a little bit about a little bit about yourself. So my name is uh, Amiad. I am uh, currently living in Hanoi, Vietnam. I've been here for 10 years. Um, I contribute to the uh, People's World newspaper, um, often writing about Vietnam. And um, I also only in the last couple of years found out about the USCIRF because um, I, I would read in the news here how uh, the US would uh, place Vietnam on their list of countries of particular concern and why that was problematic. And um, I looked into it to write articles about it uh, because I've, I've been living here for 10 years and the idea that there isn't religious freedom here is astounding and <laughs> clearly not true for anyone that has spent any amount of time here um so i've written a couple articles on it um and just you know a couple weeks ago the u.s renewed for the west uh vietnam's placement on the list of countries of particular concern so um it was a, a topic of conversation uh once again here what led you to to Vietnam? Because uh, I know you're from New York originally, right? I'm from um, New York area originally. Yeah, uh, I came to Vietnam. It's so I studied Vietnamese histories in graduate school uh, and during my master's, and I had planned on moving here to study Vietnamese before pursuing a PhD. Life took turns and whatever, and I. I decided to just move here um, after suffering a personal tragedies to just kind of start my life over. I had friends here. And um, it's interesting that when I first moved here, I, I still held a lot of the typical American uh, anti-communist ideas that I had been raised with and never questioned. Um, I had a deep respect for the history and uh, specifically for Ho Chi Minh for my studies, but you know, I just assumed that uh, all, you know, um, socialist ideas died with the USSR and that everything else was just, on, you know, on paper or aesthetics here. And after living here, I realized that wasn't true. Um, and I started to read and research and talk to people. And um, I saw how Vietnam uh, continued to uh, progress and develop. Um, Whereas, you know, looking back uh, at home in the U.S. where things were constantly going the opposite direction. And uh, it led me to question everything I thought I knew. And um, it led me to eventually uh, join the Communist Party USA. Uh, and I got involved in a lot of Vietnam solidarity work uh, in the party-to-party -party relations. So do you think you'll stay there like for, like the rest of your life? I would hope so. I would hope so. I'm uh, currently uh, doing a PhD at uh, the Academy of Journalism and Communication here, um, which is quite the challenge. Um, but I'm hoping that, uh, yeah, I hope my future is here. Cool. Well, I think that we kind of, in our in our rambling here in the beginning, I think we kind of covered the second item on the list about the the background and the history of USCIRF. And so um, if there's anything else though that you wanted to to go into, we discussed kind of how it how it got started and yeah, who's on it, but if there's anything else we should we I should mean, I just think we should highlight that it's not just socialists like us that are or anti-imperialists like us that um point out the hypocrisy of the institution right it's even some u.s allies like uh, india um has called it a christian imperialist uh cultural imperialist institution that has a pro-christian slant beyond that i think again the countries that aren't on the list are very telling like uh for me <laughs> a glaring example is uh, Israel is not on the list, 
a country that has literal religious laws requiring uh, people to get married within their religion that says uh, people of, you know, Christians or Muslims are allowed to convert, but Jews aren't allowed to convert. Uh, all sorts of like religious laws enforced by the state. And uh, that's nowhere on the list and nowhere has it even been considered uh, to be investigated by the USCIRF. So um, yeah, that I think uh, very telling <laughs> of what the, the, the role of this commission is in the U.S. foreign policy. Yeah, wow. I, you know, I didn't even think about that, but I mean, yeah, talk about religious persecution. Ask anybody who's living in the Israeli-occupied uh, right. Palestine how they right. feel. I mean, yeah, it's it's amazing, really. So um, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I so I, in my research, I've I saw a lot about India over the over the years, India's designations on the list, China, Myanmar, Burma, and and now uh, in Vietnam as well. With these with these designations uh, and these these countries that are put on this list, what does it mean for for the people of the country? What does it mean for the government? What does it mean for the country in, in general? So once a country has been designated as a country of particular concern, it opens them up to uh, sanctions, or at least the threat to sanctions, right? So, for example, with China, it, it has led to the decision to place sanctions in Russia, um, where with uh, Vietnam, it's the threat of sanctions, um, in my opinion, are used with the hope of trying to get Vietnam to align itself, it align its foreign policy with uh, U.S. foreign policy, which they always fail. Vietnam has consistently rejected um, those pushes, but I think that is one of the goals the U.S. has, right? And the U.S. has made it very clear that they would like Vietnam to join this um, anti-China global coalition that, that they're trying to build. Um, you know, if you read any of uh, these like Asia Watcher <laughs> um, uh, international report, uh, things like The Diplomat or whatever, there's always all these articles claiming that, oh, the U.S. is going to build military bases in Vietnam and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then every year, Vietnam reaffirms in its foreign policy that they will join no foreign alliances. They will not join an alliance targeted any other country, and they will never allow another country to build military bases in Vietnam. So um, I, I really believe that the U.S. hopes that these threat of sanctions would can be used to pressure Vietnam to uh, bend to its will. But they always fail, and I imagine they always will fail because, again, it goes against the core principles of Vietnamese foreign policy. Hmm. Yeah, it, the it almost seems like you know, be it failing is a good thing in this in this case. Yes. Like you want to be, you exactly. want to be on that list. You want to be on the fail, <laughs> the fail list. <laughs> yeah. But what it's saying, uh, I'm looking at like from February of this year. I mean. This is like an update to their report about about Vietnam specifically, and they 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 refer to the 2018 law on belief and religion, and how that's restrictive in nature and plagued by uneven and inconsistent applications throughout the country. So I don't know if you could speak to like the 2018 law on belief and religion, and uh, what that that is. So. In the Vietnamese constitution, freedom of religion is, um, you know, uh, protected. I think it's Article twenty, Article twenty four, Clause one. Everyone shall enjoy freedom of belief and religion. He or she can follow any religion or follow none. All religions are equal before the law. Uh, line two: The state respects and protects freedom of religion, uh, belief, and religion, and. Uh, Line three, no one has the right to infringe on the uh, freedom of belief and religion or to take advantage of beliefs and religions to violate the laws. And so uh, there has been laws passed since that clarify that third part. What does that mean to use religion to take advantage of uh to take advantage of beliefs and religion to violate the law? So there are cases of cults, just like you see in the US where uh, you know, people will specifically take advantage of, you know, their followers or their flock or whatever you want to call it and 
take all their um, their possessions and all their money and whatever. So in cases like that, Vietnamese law allows the government to step in much sooner than the U.S. government would step in, right? The U.S. always seems to step into these things like Waco, whatever, in the last second when people are dying and committing suicide and their lives are already ruined. In Vietnam, the government, even though you have the freedom of religion, you cannot use that religion to then go and hurt people. Other cases are when religion is used to uh, as an excuse to attack state security, which again, all countries have this, right? In the US, ISIS would not be allowed to set up a religious organization because that would be, you know, under the guise of religious freedom, because that would be a threat to national security. The same thing in Vietnam. But then the US comes and uh, claims that, oh, the, despite the enshrinement of religious freedom in the Constitution, because there's these stipulations, uh, therefore it's not real freedom. Hmm. Right. There was a case that I think it's in on the USCRS uh, website, actually, a couple weeks ago, maybe it's already a couple of months ago, of this prominent monk, um, Buddhist monk, who was arrested here. And he was reported in the US as being arrested because of his specific Buddhist beliefs, which didn't, you know, conform to the mainstream. He was arrested because, again, he uh, was holding people against their will in his like little cult. He was um sexually abusing his followers uh and so those were the charges he was arrested from but the uscrf and uh you know the uh anti-socialist uh policy pushers in the state department took that and said oh he was arrested because of his religious beliefs Hmm. right but you can't just like in the u.s you couldn't say oh my religious freedom allows me to sexually abuse these people the same thing in vietnam except here it's written into the constitution that that's not allowed. And uh, in the US, that's not. The US Constitution is, you know, as we know, extremely vague and left up to interpretation at the whims of nine random people that get selected every few years. Right. Yeah. And we, I mean, yeah. So, the, so it's basically <laughs> like you're not, you're not letting this cult hurt people. And so you're persecuting this cult. Exactly. <laughs> in a lot of exactly. ways. I mean, exactly. yeah, I mean, it says government persecution continues to be a harsh reality facing unregistered independent religious groups, with many of them being designated as strange, false, or heretical religions. Right. So the law also requires that religious institutions just register with the government. You fill out some paperwork, you say, okay, this is our religion. These are our properties. This is where we're practicing, whatever. Just again, so the government can uh, make sure that people's property aren't being taken and their uh, money isn't being taken. And, you know, someone could come and say, oh, I'm from some Catholic sect and try and you can't just claim and set up I'm a religion right right <laughs> and everyone follow me and everything I do is protected because it's freedom of religion right you have to go through the proper channels and that's not a problem because you see you have dozens and dozens of probably hundreds of religions you know if you actually uh went to like the different uh, small ethnic minority uh, communities practice throughout Vietnam no one has a problem just registering and doing the paperwork it's the only people that have that problem are people that are trying to break the law and use religion to break the law right um the catholic church is operates openly here uh, protestant churches uh you have again dozens of smaller religions um some local you know indigenous religions others uh not you know the one of the religions that the us has listed as uh, being persecuted because they're not allowed to register is um the uh, I, i'm going to pronounce this wrong i'm sorry the Fuanugang or Famungang from China. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pronounce that wrong. I apologize. But again, that is a religion just not maybe less violent, but not too dissimilar to ISIS in that it exists for a political goal to topple the government. Right. No one would allow someone to institutionalize a, a, a religion that's goal is to topple the government in their country that would not be protected by religious freedom. But when Vietnam acts just like any other country would in that situation, 
they're considered have, uh, you know, not respecting freedom of religion. And again, only because that serves the narrative that the U.S. foreign policy wants. Hmm. Yeah, because you talk about, you know, Christian imperialism and look at, like, why is there Vietnamese Baptist church and a Korean Baptist church? And, you know, like, the, that's... Uh, there's that's mosques, there's every, I mean... I, and I made I, you meet foreigners from all over the world that come and travel here. Um, in fact, the government does everything they can to encourage people to come and you know be tourists here. And you don't have to tell anyone what religion you are. You don't have to tell them what you're practicing. You don't have to do anything. If you want to come for religious reasons, you have to register. If you want to come to proselytize, you have to register. And you might be told no because. Not everyone wants, uh, you know, people coming and proselytizing could be used to take advantage, right? It depends who you are, what you're doing. But um, I know that uh, uh, Chabad, right, uh, you know, they're a Jewish uh, organization. They exist here and they they don't proselytize to non-Jews, but they do try and encourage secular Jews to become religious and they openly operate here, right? So it's not this blank, blanket idea of, oh, people can't, I mean, Catholics, again, the Catholic church is huge here, 8% of the population is Catholic, Catholics proselytize all the time, so when a, someone is not allowed to come here to proselytize, it's because, for whatever reason, they haven't proven that they're not a risk to the people they're going to be proselytizing to, so if, is, if you're coming for legitimate reasons and you're not going to hurt anyone there is no reason to think that you'd be persecuted for your religious beliefs it is only those that want to take advantage and hurt people that uh, uh or hurt the government that would be stopped and again every government has the right to protect itself right and you know it's funny like the this idea of like unregistered versus registered religious groups I, in the u.s it's the same thing like if you want to get that that tax exemption as a official religion, you're registered. Actually, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. It was funny because I was talking about this subject on the news here and they asked if the U.S. has a, a to register religions. And I said, not that I was aware of, but I didn't think about it because in the U.S., everything goes through the tax authorities, right? The IRS is the world's largest police organization after all. And I, I didn't <laughs> even think about that. Yeah, I mean, and, and we're seeing like, you know, some organizations like, the satanic temple that are kind of throwing that back in the face of the government by saying they'll go to like these little small towns that are trying to put 10 commandment monuments up and they'll, right. they'll say, okay well if you are going to do that you have to let us put a uh, a baphomet statue on the courthouse lawn and uh right. it it that they usually take the 10 commandment thing down because they don't want that right. but it's it's like okay if you want to uh if you want to have freedom of religion, then then that means we can do what we want to do and we can practice our religion. That's interesting. I know there's also a Jewish organization in Florida that's claiming that new anti-abortion laws are infringing on their freedom of religion because there are cases under Jewish law where an abortion would be required, again, to save the, the life of the mother. Uh, and under Florida law, that would not be allowed. Hmm. So the the uh, I guess like it, regarding the getting put on this list, it seems to me like you you may have hit the nail on the head when you when you said that there there's a there's a goal of kind of building alliances against China, and that it may have not much to do with religion as much as it has to do with a. Uh, political alliance building under the threat of of sanctions which are a form of violence you know i mean it, it can it can absolutely cripple a country's economy not only are sanctions a form of violence they're also against the geneva convention and a human rights violation they're you know for collective punishment um, and targeting civilians so yeah <laughs> so this is we should also remember that Vietnam was a country that was lived under U.S. embargo from 1973, or no, I think the embargo started in 75, and it lasted until 95 or 96, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, 
Vietnam knows all too well the harshness of living under uh, U.S. sanctions, and um, it's it's an incredible tool of U.S. imperialist power, but again, a human rights crime at the same time. So what are the, um, <clears throat> if there are any, what are the requirements that the U.S. CIRF is trying to impose on Vietnam? Like, what would it take to, for Vietnam to get removed from, from this list? I would imagine they would like, <laughs> I think if Vietnam, um, within the realm of religion were to allow, you know, these uh, anti-socialist uh, religious cults like uh, that, that Chinese one that I cannot remember their name or cannot pronounce their name, sorry, um, to, to set up, uh, to institutionalize here, you know, that would be a step forward. So in other words, if they allowed organizations to come and or, uh, try and topple the government or uh, organize the topple the government, um, that would be a step forward uh, in the U.S. eyes. So I think that, that would be something that the State Department would uh, like to happen that's never going to happen. And I also do believe, I don't have evidence for this, it's just it, it seems the way U.S.-Vietnam relations have been going, um, that the U.S. very much wants Vietnam to enter this uh, anti-China alliance uh, that they're trying to build and, you know, you know encircling China uh, with uh, on all sides and Vietnam is just not going to do that again it goes against the four core no principles of Vietnamese foreign policy China is also Vietnam's biggest trading partner the two um, communist parties have very good relations it's, it's just not going to happen um, but the U.S. very much wants it to so um, I think it would take something drastic like that to to get uh them to drop Vietnam from this list of uh, nations of particular concern, countries of particular concern. Yeah, I mean, in this, like, they do make recommendations, there's recommendations to the U.S. government, uh, obviously, to place the country on the list, and then encourage the Vietnamese government to amend the law on belief and religion to conform to international standards, encourage the effort by central, provincial, and local authorities to resettle Hmong Christians, H-M-O-N-G, Hmong, Christ Hmong. Hmong Christians in subdivision 179. That seems very specific. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what that is. Uh, Hmong is an ethnic group here. They're one of the largest uh, minority ethnic groups. Yeah, I see what you mean. This does seem like it's a... Uh... It's a very specific case. I'm not aware of what that specific case would be. <laughs> Yeah, so the recommendation for Congress is to send delegations focused on religious freedom and related human rights to Vietnam and specifically request to visit areas impacted by freedom restrictions. It's interesting, though, because the Hmong religion, the Hmong regions, um, one of the biggest Hmong regions is in the, the area of Sapa in the northwest. It's one of the biggest tourist sites in Vietnam. Not exactly sure what's stopping anyone from visiting there. Uh, there's hotels every three feet if you if you really want. So this really does seem like it is based in imperialism and and propaganda. And uh, and yeah, I, I think you're right about the the alliance against China. You know, I'm sure the U.S. doesn't like that Vietnam has a socialist government. And uh, we've seen Laos is on the list, Cuba's on the list. I mean, it, it does, it is really telling, which is why I was saying, like, it almost seems like this was something that was, that came out of the 1950s, right, as opposed to the 90s. Right. And other leftist countries, you know, like Algeria, um, now I don't know much about religious practice in Algeria, but uh, Syria, these are all, Syria I know has, what they have a large Christian minority, they have uh, Sunni and Shia Muslims. They have Alawi Muslims. Um, they have a very small Jewish minority. I, I don't know uh, too much about life there, so I don't want to speak with any authority. But again, it's a left-leaning government. Um, and it's interesting, I came across something when I was uh, getting ready for this podcast specifically about Laos. There was an argument between uh, U.S. officials on whether to include Laos or not. And they, for whatever reason, decided to. Uh, but clearly, the evidence isn't 
overwhelming, even in their uh, tainted <laughs> imperialistic uh, way of pushing things. Um, but they still made sure that all the socialist countries were either uh, full on designated as countries of particular concern or on the watch list to be designated countries of particular concern. Hmm. So what can we do as as communists in the United States, as socialists and workers and, and uh, leftists, like, it, you know, just spread the word, I guess, and educate people about this? I think that's a big step. Again, as you said in the at the start, I mean, you weren't aware that this institution even existed, right? Um, if I think if more Americans were aware that their tax dollars were going to yet another ridiculous tool of uh, imperialism that has zero effect on their life, um, employing people like Tony Perkins um, and other, uh, what was his name, Gary Bauer, who also was from the Family Research Council, right? I mean, legitimate members of hate groups and leaders of hate groups. Um, I think Americans would open their mind to or open their eyes to the lies that they've been fed about these other countries and uh, what the U.S. is uh, doing on the international uh, front, right? And it's so many Americans continue to believe this idea that the U.S. is this force for good in the world and um, only goes to war for freedom, democracy, liberty, and blah, 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 all these abstract ideas. But when you actually look at the details of how the U.S. interacts with other countries, and uh, you know, with and how they act differently with different countries, um, it becomes very clear that there is a uh, imperialist agenda that not only hurts uh, you know everyone overseas, it also hurts Americans at home themselves, right? Because again, it's a waste of resources. Um, and it, it creates enemies where there doesn't need to be enemies. Uh, Vietnam very much wants to live in peaceful coexistence with all countries. It's again, another core ten tenant of uh, their foreign policy. We see that even though the US had committed decades worth of war crimes against Vietnam, the US uh, and Vietnam continue to improve relations. Uh, Vietnam continues to trade with uh, the US and uh, do everything they can to have a good relationship with the U.S., despite, again, being designated a country of particular concern, despite the U.S. not having uh, done enough to help the victims of Agent Orange and all these other things. Um, but the U.S., again, tries to create enemies and tries to uh, have that whole them versus us attitude with foreign policy. And that only comes back to hurt Americans, uh, citizens at home. So I think if we can educate more people, um, there could be some organized pushback you know it's like um what was it called the house Com uh, committee on uh, on american activities right yeah. i know technically it still somewhat exists under a, a different name but it's lost all its power uh, we could do something similar with uh with this the uscrf should not exist and if it does continue to exist it should lose all power i think that's i think that's great i think that would be you know to to expose it which is what what we're doing right now, having these discussions and exposing it for for what it truly is, right? Uh, and people people would start to to recognize a it's a just a, a kind of a bureaucratic waste of uh, taxpayer dollars. But you know, like the right doesn't care about that when it comes to international and foreign affairs. Right. Like they only care about it domestically. Like oh, they only worry about our tax dollars when it's going to help like poor people in the United States. But <laughs> when it comes to anything that's happening overseas, they are all in for it. Actually, you know, it's it's in some ways that makes the USCIRF scarier under a democratic administration, right? Because when the Republicans are picking people like Tony Perkins and Gary Bauer, it's obvious, okay, this is a, a ridiculous joke of an institution, right? When the Democrats, uh you know uh fill the the seats of the commissioners with people that have better looking resumes let's say mm -hmm. uh it, it and the democrats they've also leaned more and more into imperialism and uh protecting u.s hegemony around the world and um, the uscrf actually in some ways becomes much scarier under a democratic uh administration so i think 
now is the time to be extra vigilant and um, speak even, you know, uh, louder and work harder to um, expose the USCRF for what it is. And it's important, you know, in, we, we have to build a broad coalition. It's not just the socialist countries that are being attacked. As, you know, we said, uh, uh, it's the fact that countries like Israel aren't being listed uh, in that list. And so it's the Palestinians in that case that are being attacked or um, or Morocco, there's another example, right? Um, that doesn't, they suppress the Sahrawi people and other minorities. Uh, there, there's there's lots of examples around the world that it, if it doesn't fit the U.S. specific imperialist agenda, they don't get uh, added to this list, right? So I think um, now is a, a, an important time to make people aware. I, you know, it's something to protest. It's something to dismiss when you read in the news that a country has been designated, when a country like Vietnam has been designated uh, a country of particular concern. Don't take that at face value. Do your own research. Uh, come visit Vietnam. You know, it's a great place to visit. And you can see, you can travel to the Hmong areas. You can visit churches. You can see just last week, Christmas Eve, uh, Hanoi, which is not a majority Christian city by any stretch of the imagination. And everyone comes uh, to the churches and stands outside and watches the Christians, you know, and uh, pray the and uh, light up the lights and do the nativity scenes and, and sing songs together. And it, it's it's a great. Uh, there's a lot of intercultural sharing and uh, freedom of religion here. And so come see for yourself uh, the way that the U.S. basically just lies about the situation here. Amiya, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Pants on Fire, Exposing Ruling Class Lies. This podcast is produced by the International Department of CPUSA. Visit our website, cpusa.org, to learn more about the party. Follow us on Twitter at CPUSA Department and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app.